service. We are um, inviting the whole church, and especially those of you who are parents who have kids that are up in the mountain at student uh, camp this week, to Tuesday night. Tuesday night's your chance to get to be a young person and come to youth group. How about that? And so they're going to be meeting in here. And for youth group, uh, they are going to be sharing some of what happened up on the mountain and what God's been doing in their life. And so there's going to be a video recap. We may end up showing, I guess, next Sunday as well. We'll see how that plays its way out. But uh, come Tuesday night, join in with your students here at 7 o'clock. Does that sound good? Come on. You can be a youth person, right? Um, just a couple, three other announcements then. Uh, if we can, let me see, do I have control? We do. And is Debbie here today? Debbie Parnacking. Would you come on up, Debbie? Debbie's even got her baseball cap on today. This is pretty front and center important announcement here. Would you welcome Debbie Parnacking to the stage? Oh, wow, it's actually a official storm hat. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, the Bible says that women should come um, to church with their head covering. <laughs> they just didn't say what kind. Yeah, there you go. How about that? <laughs> um, we can sign up this week and next week for the baseball game, Storm. If you've never been to a Storm game, it's sort of our local minor league, and it's very, very fun. This happens to be Faith and Family Night. This is July 14th. And we have the opportunity to go when there will be Christian bands. There will be testimonies from the ball players. There will be um, very short, I'm sure, um, messages from pastors, and just Not a me. lot of fun. Not, yeah, <laughs> I could say something. that's sort of two yeah. different ways. You could have said something. <laughs> I know. Like I'm glad you missed. Just keep moving. Uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Um, Eight dollars a ticket. To go to the game. Now, if you want a screaming deal, and if you've ever been to the Storm game or any baseball game, you know it's a screaming deal. For five fifty more, you can have a picnic there with um, hot dog and chips and soda. And if you buy it on your own, the soda's going to be five fifty. So um, <laughs> anyway, sign-ups are in the back. I will be back there. You can't miss me with my hat. And it should be a lot of fun. It's Friday night. July 14th, bring your family. Um, but next week is the absolute last yeah, we week. Got, you you got a block of tickets. I have a, I have a block of we tickets. Have We're to all, turn together. In. So, all together. All so, together. Um, but we, ha- we have to turn in, right? We don't want to be charged for all the extra right. tickets. Right, so and that's so July 5th deal. is the last day. Yeah. So it's this week and next week. And after that, I turn in tickets. And there you go. There you are. Can you, they should throw in a, a cheap price on the hat that would have really helped too. maybe they so, will all right hey. thank you very much <laughs> she's put that together so the vision you know we just sort of tried to fill the summer up with some different kinds of activities and things and this is one of them so please jump in be a part of that even invite family and friends that don't attend the church that's cool just have a night out um also and it's it's moving up quickly is um the um uh, kids company summer day camp and uh, we're looking forward to that, and uh, we're trying to get all the registrations in. Some more came in this week, but just really trying to drill down on that. If you're sort of late in the queue getting that in uh, for your uh, kids to be a part of the kids' company camp, please do that this week and continue to just encourage other friends and family and put it out on social media, whatever it is. I think it's a great way to enfold kids. In fact, my wife, who's helping lead the program uh, with Katie, 
is they some of the names that have come in are people that were like, where do these names come from? But they came through social media and some aren't connected with a church. And so that's just sort of cool for us to have that kind of outreach in the community. And this is really structured that way. And it's not only the pro- programming of the kids' company production, but also a lot of camps and activities sort of combining a VBS deal. And it's a much longer thing from 9 till 3, I think. Is it up there? And then also um, that it's two weeks long. So that's pretty cool. And we have put a beach day on the calendar. We originally had something sort of maybe thinking for July 4th weekend. We've nixed that idea. But uh, we have uh, targeted August the 5th as a beach day. And then you have no complaints about not going to church. We just have church right there on the beach. But just very informal. We'll give you a few more details about that coming up. And just this morning, God answered a prayer that I had. And this is my prayer is that we would have some people step forward to say, let's put together a work day at the church this summer. Unsolicited, Justin Stover and Joe Gaitan came to me before service and says, we need to do some painting and fixing and getting some stuff done around here. Let's just really rally the troops and recruit people. And so we just stuck that on the calendar this morning. That's how fresh that is. Uh, because we do, we really do uh, need a lot of fix up and touch things. You know how it is in your own house. You start to overlook stuff after a while, but the new person walks in and goes, Ugh, right? There's a lot of that uh, around here to me that I try to think through. So put that on your schedule and we're going to run from there. Now, this is what I want us to do before we jump into God's word. Actually, before we do a turn and greet, um, but we are going to um, watch a video uh, of something that's happened this month. And some of you may be familiar with it. Some of you may not. Um, We are part of a much larger movement called the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And the alliance has like 2,000 U.S. churches, which we're one of them. So that's pretty cool. But uh, tens of thousands around the world, uh, some of the strongest evangelical Christian movements are led by the Christian Missionary Alliance missionaries and the national leaders in several countries around the world. There's about 70 different countries that we have missionaries involved in. Every two years, they have what's called a general council meeting. Uh, We had it here in Long Beach two years ago. We canceled service, and we all went there. Many of us did. Uh, This year, general council rolled back around again. Two years goes by like that. General council was in Columbus, Ohio, in the Midwest. And the president of the Christian Missionary Alliance for the U.S. is John Stumbo. You've seen a video every now and then I put up of him. I'm going to put a John Stumbo video up up again. And we're just going to sit back and take in a little bit of the review of what happened in our larger Christian Missionary Alliance family uh, just a couple weeks ago and just rejoice with what God is doing. Because many times I know it's true of us as believers. I know it's true in my own life. We think we're sort of small and isolated, but we really are part of a movement that's now 100, 120 uh, years old as far as a movement to be able to reach people with missions and the gospels out of the alliance. And uh, this is just sort of a, a recap of what happened at council, a chance for us to stay connected with our alliance family and continue to have a heart for what he's doing, not just globally, but how what's happening in the movement actually is reflected on some of the things we've been talking about here as a local church concerning the Holy Spirit. And so I think it's really pretty cool and beautiful how it brings this together. But John Stumbo kicks it off, president of the Christian Missionary Alliance. Hey, Alliance family. 
The final moments of Council 2017 are wrapping up right behind me. We've spent the week here in Battelle Hall in Columbus rejoicing in Jesus, listening to his word, spoken deeply to our hearts, doing the business of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And I didn't know why that in my preparation for Council, I didn't have a closing statement prepared. I had worked, I had thought, I had prayed. I had nothing to say to close Council. And now I've come to realize as this service isn't shutting down anytime too quickly, I've realized there isn't a closing word for this council. That the work that the Spirit of God is doing among us is the, as a beginning work, not a closing work. And so you're going to watch in a few minutes a uh, seven-minute or so summary of this week and where we've tried to capture some of the themes, some of the emotions, experiences, sights of Columbus and, and this event. But what I really want you to know is the Spirit of God is at work in the Alliance family. I know that none of us knows what that fully means. We're not changing our doctrine. We're just trying to live out what our doctrine has said for over a hundred years. We're, we're trying we're seeking a new openness to the work of the Spirit in our lives. And that's not the only thing that's been said or done this week at Council, but it's my desire that that would be the only manner in which everything is said and done. The Church of Jesus Christ moving forward as the Spirit directs. This is His church. We are Christ's bride. Christ did His ministry in the Spirit. Why would we seek to do it in any other way? So I rejoice in a family that's seeking God together. You can watch the full services, at least the parts that didn't have to be edited out for security purposes because the presenters. But you can watch those services in our archives and joining with us. But it's not so much about even what happened here at Council because God's not limited to this place and this time. God's at work among us. And may shields of faith be lifted up. May, may discouraged hearts be encouraged in these days that God's alive and active. We're not trying to tell them what that looks like, but we are saying, Lord, we don't want to limit what you want to do among us. So let's keep our hearts, we keep our Bibles open and our hearts open. With Bible open and heart open, let's stay in tune with the Spirit, walking in what He has for us. Enjoy these minutes that remain. God bless you, Lions family. Council 2017 are wrapping up right behind me. We've spent the week here in Battelle Hall in Columbus rejoicing in Jesus, listening to his word, spoken deeply to our hearts, doing the business of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And I didn't know why that in my preparation for council, I didn't have a closing statement prepared. I had worked, I had thought, I had prayed. I had nothing to say to close council. And now I've come to realize as this service isn't shutting down anytime too quickly. I've realized there isn't a closing word for this council. That the work that the Spirit of God is doing among us is the, as a beginning work, not a closing work. And so you're going to watch in a few minutes a uh, 
seven minute or so summary of this week and where we've tried to capture some of the themes, some of the emotions, experiences, sights of Columbus and, and this event. But what I really want you to know is the Spirit of God is at work in the Alliance family. I know that none of us knows what that fully means. We're not changing our doctrine. We're just trying to live out what our doctrine has said for over a hundred years. We're, we're trying we're seeking a new openness to the work of the Spirit in our lives. And that's not the only thing that's been said or done this week at Council, but it's my desire that that would be the only manner in which everything is... Sorry, there's no fast-forward button on something. I just discovered that. How about that? We're going to get back to that. They thought it was uh, clipping, but he actually introduces the recap video, so we're going to watch it in a second. But I just want to encourage you that if uh, you're bored... Not really bored, but if you want to stay more engaged in what happened at General Council, you can go to the Alliance website, which is cmaalliance.org. And on that website, uh, I think it's under resources, and might have a direct link to General Council. And you can go and you can literally listen to all the messages um, that they had at General Council. And I think a lot of times it's important for us as a church family uh, to stay sharpened with our broader Alliance work. It's real easy for us to become myopic when we start to think about our faith, our church, our little town. But God wants to continue to expand our heart. And I didn't have a chance to go to general council this year because uh, my son graduated from high school. But whenever I go, I'm just awestruck of the beauty that we have in the Christian Missionary Alliance to be a part of a broader family. And uh, friends I've known for years, new people that I meet, and you don't have a chance necessarily to do that unless it comes local like we did at Long Beach. But uh, I encourage you to stay connected in the broader Alliance family and some of the works that happen. When we have missionaries come in, that's a part of the broader Alliance family. When we talk about some other churches in the neighborhood that are Alliance, we have that as well. So here's the recap from uh, General Council. two years for your arrival. We believe that God sings over us. We believe that God loves to hear us sing over him. Oh God, stretch forth your hand and heal. Perform signs and wonders in the holy name of your servant Jesus. And the room in which we were meeting was shaken. Thank you, Jesus. I believe that God is alive and active and that he's longing to revive his church, his desire to see us made alive again by the Holy Spirit so that we can reach the world. It's all about the lost. Many groups across the country are beginning to call out, Church, we need you back. We're crying out for you to be back into the lives of people in our neighborhoods. In times of crisis, it is imperative that the church respond with prayer. Things can be absolutely out of control to the naked eye, and I can still have peace because my peace isn't in circumstances. My peace is in him. How many of you have ever been taught something by a child? 
right? It's so irritating, and they shouldn't be able to do that. Because we've got 24 hours in a year with kids, we better be doing our job well. It's about giving them tools to do life as a Christ follower in a messy world. Testament clearly describes a spirit-directed mission. I feel that in the lines that I grew up in, there was an emphasis on certain aspects of the Holy Spirit, but we forgot, and we still tend to forget, that He only gave them power to do what He had directed them to do. That sounds like such a simple statement. Don't miss it. He only gave them power to do what he had directed them to do. He's in charge of the church. It's his church. It's his mission. If you ask me the question, what is it that keeps me up at night? What's the thing that bothers me most in my soul? It's the idea that there are half a million people in my own backyard who are headed to a Christless China. If a church is going to be reaching lost people, then the people who are leading the church need to go first in reaching their own lost neighbor. God wants us to reach one more. We believe that the gospel is for all people and certainly for people who are not qualified. God is doing something amazing among the church. And we feel like this is our call as the Alliance. There are many people in your churches, many people in your neighborhoods who are church planters. Our shift in the way we think must be accelerated so that the gospel can be incarnated. Alliance family, let's stay faithful to this task of taking the gospel to the least reached peoples of the world. It doesn't have to be an either or. In Acts 1.8, there are no ors. When my Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll have the capacity to take my gospel to your town, Jerusalem, to your region, Judea, to Samaria, people who are close to you or not like you, and all the way to the ends of the earth. And, and, and. No ors. And so if you're writing an or into the text, you're not taking the text seriously. Because you have enough capacity by the Spirit of God as we bind together as a family for us to do it all well.
There you go. We're part of a larger group. And if you ever wondered what happened to the guy that started this church in 2004, he was on that stage. Did you catch a glimpse there of Dave Reynolds? And that's what Dave does. He starts, it was, he was standing to the side when there was, the guy was talking about launch. But uh, Dave was given a prominent place, right, Steve, to be able to articulate what he now does in the Christian Missionary Alliance, which is he helps the Alliance start churches around the United States. He's like the point guy over all that. So you continue to pray for Dave and Elena and what they've done in starting this church back in the, the mid-2000s there with the French Valley starting and all that. He's doing around the United States, and God's given him a lot of good favor and interaction with people, many of those people you saw there in that video. Hey, I'm glad you're part of the Alliance family, but also this local church family. Just take a few moments, greet one another, and then we're going to step into God's word on the fruit of the Spirit. Alrighty, great. How's your summer going? It was a hot week, was it not? And it's a hot day today again. But you know, every Sunday God gives us to be able to come and to look into his word is a beautiful day no matter what the heat is outside and uh, with that I would just want to pray and then we're going to jump into this uh, message today Jesus center us on truth we prayed up front that we'd worship you in spirit and in truth Lord as you cleanse our souls take us into your presence Lord may we hear from you and your Holy Spirit in this uh, moment in time Lord, I know not the circumstances that are going on in each and every person's life that is here, whether they're regular people or first-time people, but Jesus, you know them. You know them intimately. And what you established was a relationship with you through all your work. And so, Lord, we come to you not in a sense of uh, religious duty to be able to sit in a room that's a part of some institution, 
But Jesus, we come to sit at your feet through your spirit to speak a word of encouragement through your word. So be it in your name. Amen. Amen. So we went through a series on empowerment by the Spirit of God. You heard our president of the Alliance, John Stone, talk about just the need for us to be open to what God wants us to do, what we fully believe. Part of that understanding for us to live a life empowered by the Spirit is to understand what the Spirit of Jesus does when he comes into our life. He brings to us his fruit, his life, his character. And that is described very succinctly in a simple verse that's found in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Last week we looked at the first fruit, as it's often referenced, the fruit of love. But last week we realized that the fruit of love is really the ultimate fruit. For in one sense, you put a colon after the word love here. The fruit of the Spirit is love, colon, and then it's all those things combined. So we're talking about the fruits of the Spirit, the Spirit of God that can come to live within us. But it's really nine flavors in one fruit. Today, we're going to look at the flavor of joy. And as some of you may know, we picked a word for the year, and my word was joy. And so it was sort of fun to dive in and reflect on saying, okay, what about this aspect of joy. If the spirit of Jesus lives within me, how's my joy doing? Just as surely as you go out to your automobile and you check the oil, you pull out the dipstick and you check to see how full the oil is. If I pulled out the dipstick in your life concerning the subject of joy, how much joy are you filled with right now? Or how much anxiety, stress, concern, weightedness, weariness are you filled with? For we know as Christians that we're to be filled with joy, right? That's something we're to be filled with. But if we were to do a check on how we're doing in that level, many times it's running very low. And so I hope by just the end of some of these words and looking at God's word is that you will sort of get a little bit of a refilling of that sense of joy. Because you don't have to go and buy it off a shelf at some store or some automotive department. The Holy Spirit is full of all this. And you have the Holy Spirit, not half of the Holy Spirit or a quarter of the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of God living in you. And if you have the Spirit of God living in you, that is, if you're a Christ follower this morning, then you have his joy. But a lot of times we're not experiencing that joy. Do you know that Jesus himself, he longed for you to have joy? In fact, when he prayed before he went to the cross, what's known as the high priestly prayer in John 17, he prayed for his disciples, his followers, that they would have joy. John 17, 13, I am coming to you now. He's praying to the Father. He says, but I say these things while I'm still in the world. And the whole prayer, you can read it there. He's praying his heart out to the Father in heaven. He says, I'm, I, I say these things while I'm still in this world so that they, put your name there, so that Carrie, 
so that Nancy, so that Bob, so that uh, Sally, so that Don, so that John, whoever, so that you may have the full measure of my joy within you, within them. A full measure, not running low, a full measure of the joy of God. And it's the same thing he taught his disciples before he's headed into that prayer in John 16. He says, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. He gives the analogy there as a woman in pains of childbirth. And, you know, but they know that the joy is coming of the baby that will be born. Right. But they're in anguish. But the joy that's coming, he's he's identifying with the life that we live here. He says, you know, your time of grief here is it, it, it's brief in one sense and the larger scale of things. And I'm going to see you again, referring to the other side of the resurrection. And for us, we're first when we see him in the eternal realm. And he says, I just want you to know that you're going to rejoice. I, I don't want anyone to take your joy away from you. Think about this. How much of your week was filled with stress? Depression, anxiety, worry, contemplation, trying to figure things out. All of that, when you get into heaven, on the other side of this life, is a place not just of perfect peace and bliss, and all that, but it's a place where there's joy. That's the prominent disposition of heaven, is rejoicing, is joy, and all that anxiety that you carried in through those doors here this morning. You don't. Just get to put it underneath your seat. You get to chuck it far away, and you don't have to walk further into eternity with it. Joy is your destiny as a Christ follower. And that destiny is not just a little bit of joy, but a full measure of God's joy. But it's not just then. It's now that we're called to have joy. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. Pull the dipstick out. How's the joy doing? Well, probably one of the first questions to answer is, what do we mean by joy? Right? Because a lot of times in our culture today, joy is equated to happiness. Happiness. Biblical joy is not uh, modern cultural happiness. You see, happiness, if you were to look at happiness, happiness is trying to get all your circumstances and activity in life aligned in a place that is enjoyable to you, that it's going well. And so circumstances determine a lot of times our happiness today. And so we strive, we go to work, we, we uh, raise the family, we interact in social arenas. Every week in and week out, we're just trying to get everything sort of lined up so that it's, it's all going in a, a good direction so that we can be happy. Somebody walks up to you and says, how you doing? And part of you wants to just let them have it, right? You really want to know how I'm doing? puke just spill it all over them right but no we're nice people so we stay reserved oh things are going fairly well we're looking forward to this looking forward to that our facebook posts are all about sort of some of the nice things but down at the gut level you really want to know how i'm doing not good i'm not very happy right now if you knew what was going on in my life you 
you would stay far away from me. <laughs> but we don't see that side, right? Because we put on the smile, you put on the smile walking in here today, right? Christians are going to be joyful. Hey, we're supposed to sing today, a little bit lesser of a band, but we're going to sing and praise God. No. The scriptures teach us over and again that what we have in our Christian faith and as a Christ follower is something that is authentic and real and we don't have to fake life. But yet, one of the verses in scripture that I would often use with my children growing up, I've since tried to stop using it because they really beat me up about it, is scripture says to rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. You know that verse? And so whenever something happens that's good with somebody else that didn't happen good to them, I say, well, hey, you're supposed to rejoice with those who rejoice. Dad, I don't like that verse, right? Look what's happening to them. I don't get any of that, right? But we're commanded to rejoice. We're commanded to walk into the joy, to allow the joy that's a part of the Holy Spirit within us to live through us. But friends, this life, you're, I hate to disappoint you this morning, but your circumstances will never align perfectly for everything in every dimension. And in fact, if they do happen to sort of get there, I guarantee you the next day, the next week, the next month, or the next year, it's all going to be out of control again. And so if you're trying to decide your happiness based upon aligning your circumstances in a direction that's favorable to you, if that's what your goal is to determine your happiness, then you are going to be really one of the most miserable kind of people in life because it's never going to happen. But we've been told in Scripture that Jesus is praying that we may have joy and a full measure of joy. So you have to sort of define what joy is. And joy is something much deeper than our circumstances because favorability can come and go. We're going to look a little bit deeper. And what I want to do is sort of sum it up in this way because it's here's, here's what's, this is one of the greatest dilemmas of Christians. What we know here is not happening here. Do you know what I'm saying by that? We know a lot here, but we're not experiencing it here in the heart. So the mind, truth, I understand that. I'm going to position to you some truth today. But you could easily walk out of here with going, oh, that was nice truth. I got a few notes from that. Oh, that's good. But you're not experiencing it changing. Well, I, can't change, I can't take it from the head to the heart. I know one who can, though, and that's the Holy Spirit. He can change your, your, not your circumstances here today, but change your understanding of what's going on so that you can have a full measure of the joy walking out of here and you can live this week in a different place than the week you just lived, okay? But I want you to know what we're positioning is truth for you today. But you're going to have to allow that truth as you hear it and to know it and as you study it to come in and become a part of your day-to-day experience and walk it out. So this is what I want to simply sum up for today. I'll tell you where I'm going. It's right here. Cheer up, Christian. Your bad things turn out for good. Your good things can never be lost. And your best things are yet to come. Believe that? Now, I want you to know, there was a young, it was interesting to think of our students today, uh, this week at, uh, at camp. Because you wonder how young a person can really grab a hold of the things of the Lord and take off. Well, friends, they can grab a hold of things of the Lord and take off spiritually at a much younger age. And some of them, that would be my prayer, they take off even more than me as an adult. 
But there was a young man by the name of Jonathan Edwards that the very first sermon he ever preached was at the age of 18. Jonathan Edwards, one of the greatest theologians America ever had, uh, he was um, um, an individual who was really at the forefront of the first great awakening movement in the United States, church history-wise. His first formal sermon, those were basically his three points. He talked about Christian, and he used the word happiness. I framed him this way, as, as well as a gentleman by the name of uh, Tim Keller that's done a great job with this. He says, your bad things turn out for good. Your good things can never be lost, and your best things are yet to come. Do you believe that? Let me try to unpack that for you here this morning briefly. Romans 8, 28 says this. It's a familiar passage, a very familiar passage. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. So let's take on the first one. Your bad things turn out for good. You see, having joy, having happiness even, I'll use that word in life, is not about getting rid of bad things. Bad things will happen. It's not about trying to align your circumstances in a favorable direction. All right? But it's an understanding that all that's happening to you is going to turn out for good. And so... um, the first verse there, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who are called according to his purpose. Now, this verse is misused a lot. It's sometimes referred to as a blessing box verse. In other words, oh, I just need to pull something out and throw it out there without any understanding of context, either side of the verse. So, well, you know, all things are going to work together for the good. And you just want to say, please leave. You've been there? And you're in your mind trying to figure out all these bad, why did this happen and what's the good that's going to come out of this, those kinds of things, right? And, and, and you hear people say, oh, well, wasn't that, I'm, I'm sorry, this is going to probably sound bad, but it's like, you know, sorry if this maybe hits home. I, I don't know. It's like, you know, I, I hear people sometimes say, well, you know, it's like so-and-so, they, the tragedy happened, just, you know, struck them. And But, you know, praise God, he intended for that to happen because if that wouldn't have happened, this other really good thing wouldn't have happened. You know, they got killed by a drunk driver, but now there's this, this support group for those people uh, and uh, that have had that happen in their life. And, and you're going, what? Why are you trying to just, this is a bad thing. It was a bad thing. Oh, the bad things don't turn into good things. All right? But there's something that we have to really look into this verse at. The first is this. The same circumstances for Christians as with all people. Christians are not given a pass, even if they're the most perfect, godly, astute, Christ-walking follower of our Lord. Circumstances will fall on the just and the unjust of like. Bad circumstances. So the first thing it says, in all things, all right, all things, all things are going to happen to anybody wherever, whatever. 
you don't think you got a job you wish you should have gotten. Maybe something else fell through. You're trying to get accepted at some school. Not you, you, These things will happen. All things are going to happen to all Christians. You and I are not exempt as a Christ follower. And so one of the things we have to start up here with our mind is to right-size our expectations, if you will. If you're living this life thinking, no, I'm going to just keep doing better. I'm going to keep going to church. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to stay away from those sins and those vices. I'm going to try to serve. It's like, And then I get all this clout sort of build up. And then now, God, look at this. And I want you now to change my circumstances because of I've just been a really good person. That will lead you down a very despairing kind of path ultimately because stuff happens. You live in a fallen world. You are a fallen individual. There is sin and corruption at every turn. We look around at this world. We live in a world, a culture of circumstances of all things that are just happening. Now, can God bring blessings in your life? Sure, he brings blessings in your life. I'm not discrediting that. But if you're thinking that circumstances are going to change just because you're a Christ follower, oh, now let's pull back and rethink through that. And that's not Paul's intention here. In fact, if you look at the context of the verse on both sides of it, of what happens before in Romans 8 and what's happening afterwards, it says, you know, what shall we say then? Shall trouble, famine, uh, uh, hardship, nakedness, dangerous, or no, all these things. We're more than conquerors through him. It's like this text is not written to Christians who are having nice sets of circumstances. In fact, Paul himself is not in a good circumstance when he's writing this letter. But yet he articulates that all things God works for the good. So same circumstances for Christians as for all people. Oh, okay. Then may I not be surprised by it. The second thing is it only becomes good because of God and his grace. In all things, God works. If something in your circumstances align for good in your life, you can attribute it to God. Circumstances just by themselves, if you're in a meaningless life, they just, they're just not going to align. They're, they are what they are. <laughs> Cruddy things happen. But if God is at work, then he can align them for a greater good at some point. And you need to understand that it's God who's working his grace in your life with whatever circumstance that you're in. So whenever I find myself in a broken, difficult circumstance, I say to myself, maybe not originally because I'm human, but eventually I get there and go, okay, God, you can work in all this. You can work your way in this. And the work that he's doing is a work not necessarily to change the circumstance that you're in, but to change you. God works things, third part here, for the good in the totality of life. In all of life, he's working for your good. And what is he trying to do? He's trying to change you into the likeness of his son. For those God knew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son. So my sense of joy, is it dependent on circumstances? Well, I know it's not supposed to be, but that's how I lived this week. 
But my circumstances, I can't really change them too much at the moment. But I can change my perspective and say in these circumstances, all these things that are happening to me, God is sort of working it out and through those circumstances so that I can become more like Jesus. If there are bad things that sort of start to happen to you in your life, sometimes God allows them to happen to keep you from the devastating things that can happen in your life. Think about the ultimates. What ultimately could be devastating for your life? Bitterness, angers, selfishness, indifference to God. You let those things play out over the course of life and up, butt up against eternity, and guess what? Those can be devastating. Bitterness and resentment and difference to God. And those things are going to matter when you get up to looking eternity in the eyes. So some of the bad things that start to happen, God can use those actually in our life for good to wake us up to the better thing, which is to be fully alive in Christ and his purposes. He can work in that dimension. And so Paul's saying here, you're bad things. The bad stuff that's happening right now is going to turn out for good. Somewhere, big picture, it's going to turn out for good. And that good is you're going to be more like Jesus. You see, Jesus suffered on a cross, not so we wouldn't have to suffer. He suffered on a cross so that when we suffer, we may see it turn us more into his likeness. So, if you're at that place today trying to pursue happiness and joy, oh, it's a beautiful fruit of the Spirit, it's a great word for the year, and you're trying to make your circumstances more favorable and hold them there best you can, then let that idea go. But let's look at all the things that are happening in your life and see how God's using those to refine you, to build you, to transform you, to change you into his likeness. So, number one, your bad things. <laughs> Guess what? Rejoice, Christians. Your bad things are going to turn out for good somewhere in the ultimate world. That's why James 1, 2, which is one of those verses where you're like, really? Really? Why did you write that? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. How in the world can Scripture, this Bible, tell you and me to consider it pure joy when we're going through trials? If joy is based on circumstances, that's ludicrous. But if biblical joy is based on what God's doing in our life, then that's good news. I can consider it joy, even in the midst of a lot of pain and suffering. Jesus, do you remember Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus? It says that Jesus wept. He was broken. He was crushed when his friend Lazarus died and he saw everybody around him. Now, don't you think that Jesus, come on, Jesus, 
You know, you're you're going to work something good out of this. Why don't you tell people, hey, chill, you know? Chill. I'm going to raise you from the dead, the dead, man. It's going to be pretty cool. You guys just hang on here. Don't get all beat up and broken about the circumstance. But Jesus didn't do that. He wept. He identified because Lazarus dying was bad. Bad. You got something bad going on right now? Jesus comes up alongside him and says, I agree with you. That's bad. That is terrible. I had a good friend die two weeks ago. A week ago now. His funeral was Monday. He was 58 years old. He was an elder in my church that I came from. He himself in many ways was solely responsible for a satellite campus that we were able to help launch. And he helped support financially in some of the ways. He was a construction guy. Beautiful man. Vibrant man. He and his wife had a beautiful family. On June 3rd, they finally diagnosed what they thought was the onset of a little bit of dementia. Come to find out, it was a one in a million kind of disease that was eating holes in his brain like cheddar cheese. He died one week later. 2,000 people at his funeral, I understand, on Monday. I'm telling you what, if I'm talking to his lovely wife and his kids, I'm doing what Jesus did. That Lazarus tomb and weep. Because that's bad. That's bad. A beautiful man, great smile, countenance, steady, gentle man. A lot going for him. He's gone. But our joy is not based upon our circumstances. The bad things that happen, Jesus identifies with them. He identified with bad things all the way to himself being someone who was the suffering servant. Jesus was called a man of sorrows. You know that hymn, man of sorrows. What a name for the son of God who came. How can you be identified as a man of sorrow, but yet be one who says he's coming to bring joy? It's because you've got to change how your perspective is. It's not about getting all these good things lined up in life or being such a good Christian that now he's going to bless me or ignoring that, oh, that's just really not bad. No, it's bad. I live in this world. But Jesus comes and in our suffering, he transforms suffering so that we can become more like him. Consider it pure joy. What in your life right now needs to have this truth applied to it? We could do breakout sessions. Maybe just by yourself, do some homework. I encourage you to maybe spend some time with God today on it and ask him how the bad things turn out for good. I don't really believe that, but yet I know Carrie spoke on it this morning. So is that true in my life? John Newton says this, everything is necessary that he sends. Nothing can be necessary that he withholds. It's a beautiful truth. Everything necessary for you in your life, he allows, he'll send there's nothing that can be necessary for your life that he's withholds. So number one, your bad things turn out for good. Number two is this, your good things can never be lost. I like this one. So we go into the next verse, verse 29. You have to understand, see that verse 29 starts out with a three-letter word, the word for, and the reason it's there is because it's connecting verse 28 to verse 29, right? So we know that in all things God works for the good, those who love the Lord who has been called according to his purpose, for those God foreknew he also predestined, 
to be conformed to the likeness of his son so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Now, here you have to understand this. This word predestined isn't going to be some big talk, you know, about, you know, it's just simply saying that he is determined that those who would follow him would be conformed and transformed, would be morphed, if you will, into the likeness of Christ. Your good things can never be lost. All that's happening in your life of becoming like Christ sticks with you, is with you, is going to be a blessing that's in your life. And then he adds this thing, and that you might be the firstborn among many brothers. Let me park there for just a second. It's this whole idea that you are adopted into a family. And when you're adopted into a family, you receive all the riches, if you will, of that family. And this isn't sexist here by saying, you know, the firstborn among many brothers. In fact, some people would say, well, why does it say, you know, brothers and sisters or men and women? Well, yes, it should. But if you do that, you're missing something in the traditional culture of that day. You see, in that day, the inheritance, if you will, was passed down to the first male that was born in the family. And, you know, you hate to say it, but to some degree it's like, well, you're just a girl, okay, but you're a boy, all right? And so that culture was what the context of this was written into. And so it's saying here that first born among many brothers, it's given this reference of adoption. And in that day in Roman culture, adoption wasn't so much, hey, I'm going to adopt a little baby or a young boy out of the foster home. You adopted adults. Really? Yeah, you adopted adults. Do you know why adults were adopted? Because many times a person of, of means and wealth was concerned about the um, estate, the inheritance or whatever, being squandered and done away with. And maybe there wasn't a trustworthy member in the family for that to be passed on. And so they would adopt, sometimes the person that was working for them, adopt them as their own child. And so that person then took on the inheritance and the estate and all the blessing that came with it. They went from a sort of an informal relationship to an intimate relationship. They went from sort of a, a conditional relationship to an unconditional relationship. They went from a temporary relationship to a permanent relationship. So this whole concept of being adopted, God foreknew these things. He's working things towards the ultimate totality of good, of changing you into his likeness. And as he's doing this, you need to know this. These good things will never be lost because you now have an intimate relationship. You have a permanent relationship. You have an unconditional relationship. It changes like that. I mentioned to you last week that I had some friends that were adopting children. We finally saw their pictures on Facebook this week. And, they, and you know, young kids, they had, there was five of them. There were three older brothers. There were the two younger ones. And they felt led to take the two younger ones. And the three older ones, I guess, were taken. Or maybe they're old. Maybe they're not of adoption age, whatever. But when you saw the smiles on those kids and the community of people that they were now a part of, I'm like, these kids, they had nothing. They had nothing. In fact, when they were picked up, they had two small bags of all their belongings in those two bags. And now they went in to Justin and Trish Davis's home. And in their home, they had their own special room. And they had nice things. And then they had a party for them and all the community because my friends are church planters. And so all the church people were there cheering them on. And you're thinking, whoa, those kids had their lives changed in a moment. 
It's not temporary. It's permanent. It's not some informal relationship of a fostering. No, it's intimate. And it's unconditional. Those kids could really mess up tomorrow and they still are going to be a part of that home. Right? Adoption. And so embedded in this, in the culture of that day, was this beautiful statement. You're predestined to be conformed to this likeness of the Son so that you might be the firstborn among many brethren. And what's applied to us that we need to remember that can never be lost is highlighted there. Some in that next verse, those he called, he also justified. It says this in Romans 5 before that. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And look at this. It's telling you to rejoice. Joy up a little bit. Okay? You've been down this week? Bad circumstances? Hey, welcome to the real world. But let's think about this. Good things that are part of your life that can never be lost right here. Joy up. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured his love out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. We have been justified. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Friends, we know that here. We know that here. We're in church, right? We're supposed to know that. But have you been experiencing it here this week? Sometimes I just have to remind myself that I'm ordained. I'm adopted. And all that I get, even in the midst of this suffering that's developing perseverance, I, I, I'm walking through. I'm rich. I am rich. And it's not just for eternity. It's how he views me and sees me today. You see, so much of religion, probably all religions in the world, are about you doing what you ought to do, and then God will accept you. But that's not the Christian faith. The Christian faith is not you do what you ought to do, and God will accept you. God accepts you. He loves you if you've chosen to follow him. And therefore, we do what we ought to do. It's the other way around. Do not fall into a religion of works. Don't let your Christian faith, the beauty of the Christian faith, become something that's legalistic and overbearing. Today is like the first day that you were saved. Jesus washed away your sins, separating them as far as the east is from the west. Gone. Buried them in the bottom of the sea. He looks at you and sees you as his adopted child this morning. So joy up. Rejoice. Rejoice in all that God's provided The third then is this, your best things are yet to come. We're really stacking it here today. Think about it. Your bad things turn out for good. Your good things can never be lost that you have. Your ultimate good things and your best things are yet to come. Comes down to that last verse then. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. You and I cannot comprehend what that eternal realm is. I'm sorry that my friend Bob passed away. But Bob is enjoying the best things of his life today. And that's not trying to deny the uglies of what was bad and the tragedy and how his family's been left and the hope that his wife had for you know a season of life that they would have together with their families. It's bad. But 
Bob is enjoying the fruit of the salvation. I love this passage in Isaiah depicting that future. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and the hills will burst forth into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow where nettles grew, briars, whistles, uh, myrtles now will sprout up. These events will bring great honor to the Lord's name. They will be an everlasting sign of his power and love. It's like there's billboards God's placing across the galaxies of life. Hey, my name is renowned because I have a people that I've prepared for a place of continuous joy. Our destiny, the best things. And some days, you and I in this broken, fallen world, we need to just remind ourselves of that truth. Peter does it this way. 1 Peter 1, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, You need to joy up. You need to greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even by though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Isn't that a great passage? Where's your joy based at this morning? Circumstantial happiness? Or is it based on the reality and the truth of who we are as a Christ follower. Cheer up, Christian. Your bad things turn out for good. Your good things can never be lost. And your best things are yet to come. Romans fifteen thirteen, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of who? The Holy Spirit that dwells within you. The Spirit whose fruit flavor is joy. Team's going to come. We're going to close with a hymn that you well know. I want us to pray. Jesus, this morning, you know the hearts and the lives represented here. You know the needs. But Lord, you also know the provision of which you have not only given in the future for those who are Christ followers, but that you are providing in the here and now, even the bad moments of life. And so, Lord, for those individuals that made a fresh filling of your joy, may they be able to open their life and let you pour in what your Holy Spirit has within himself, and that is joy. And may they experience that joy 
biblical joy in a fresh and new way this week in the midst of whatever circumstances that are happening, that are transforming them into your likeness. God, you are a great and awesome God. We worship you in your name. Amen. Amen. Lynn. Check for Oz out there. <laughs>